Yes, sir. Episode 42. Welcome. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, man. Lots. Too much. Too much. I'm a busy I guy. A, I need a vacation for like six months. I want a six-month vacation. Ugh. Um, yeah. So, uh, Scribbleton. Uh, I'm just going to get this okay. out of the way. All right. Hey, do it. I'm going to get this out of the way. Hold on. So just in case, you know, people catch every episode, whatever. Scribbleton is? Scribbleton is the project that I took on because I wanted to write some C++ and not have to look at JavaScript for a bit. And it wound up that I wrote more JavaScript in Scribbleton <laughs> than I ever wrote for any single web app ever. <laughs> How did you do that? So Scribbleton is the personal desktop wiki that I'm writing because all cross-platform tools suck and blow. Apple told you that cross-platform is not important. They just had a keynote. All their new stuff is Apple only. Do I have a fucking rant on Apple? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we we should do an Apple rant. You haven't done one of those in a while. But anyway, finish your Scribbleton description. So Scribbleton was running too slow on um, sort of the wussy-wiggy. Uh, rich text editor that I started with mm-hmm. and um, slow is a deal breaker like it could be missing features but it can't give me static on slow so <clears throat> I had to re-implement the whole thing in some bastardized port of WebKit oh, <laughs> oh really? So wait you embedded the browser into Scribbleton it, so it runs on WebKit yeah so well, I, I couldn't uh, there's no APIs out to C++ in this monster so I had to basically through JavaScript calls. Really? Which is I still faster than the original WYSIWYG rich text thing, but now it's like loaded with this JavaScript layer thing. <laughs> so now that this, this, the original WYSIWYG thing was this uh, QT provided component? Yeah, so is the WebKit thing, but it's just not as uh, mm-hmm. mature as sort of like the editor widget that they had. And are you using a, a like CK editor, one of the like standard WYSIWYG editors, or something special? It's just a web view, not a WebKit. And you're building your own. Yeah. Well, I don't, need, I don't need to do like, I don't need to have it run JavaScript or anything. I just need to use JavaScript to basically like insert links and pull out link information and formatting and things like that. But it's still like JavaScript code inside of C code, which not, <laughs> it's basically strings, which just defeat the entire like point of writing thing in a statically typed language. <laughs> well, I guess too, since you're not. Since it's just in a WebKit view that you control, you don't. There's no cross-platform concerns within the view itself. There, you, uh, like you don't need so. the WYSIWYG to run in Chrome or anything. So no, I haven't. Good. I haven't hit any snags that like would yell out for jQuery or anything like that. Uh, it seems to be fine the way it is. When you do just the WebKit itself, too, you can. There's like yeah, some of the more modern stuff is available to you directly instead of having to abstract everything to be valid down to IE six and all that stuff. So it's pretty decent. I haven't looked at WebKit in a long time, and it's pretty decent. I'm so, surprised. so so yeah. So that was my complaint: is that well, I'm it. writing a C plus so plus app where I wind up writing more JavaScript than C plus plus. But that's not an Apple rant. That's you're okay. That's no, Apple. Apple rant is, Apple. is an Apple rant is yeah. Okay, fine. Right. Thank, Thank you, Apple, Apple, for making WebKit for you. Wait until I get to the WWDC topic of this show. I I uh, I uh, applied for that, but I didn't make it. What WWDC? Yeah. Did. They have to. They have to Willy Wonka their way into this thing now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I liked it because of that. That would have been cool if they like hits around. You couldn't sell that though, right? If you no, you wanted. can't sell it. No. It's non transferable and all that. So I would have to go, which I've done so much traveling lately, and I'm like totally worn out by it. So 
in reality, it's good because I would have made myself go and then I would have been more, even more run down flying across the country and all that. But one of these days I want to get out to that just because. Anyway, I'm Andre Butov of Anter and here with Ian Huntsman <laughs> of Userscape because people will start wondering who the hell we are. Yeah, I like that. that this, we, let's, let's, let's stick with this for a little while. I like this. Kind of intro ourselves after a, uh, little opening monologue. So that's scribbled Natalie. Actually, the spec is all done, like the initial spec of 1.0 alpha, and I'm working on... I want it to be dark-themed. Oh, I like that idea. Like the thing that Unity charges extra thousands of dollars for <laughs> just to have it be dark-themed, sort of like pro version. Right, right. Uh, but that means that not only do I have to write the damn C++ app in JavaScript, now I have to style it in CSS. <laughs> <laughs> That shouldn't be too bad. Um, then you can yeah. make available all kinds of cool stuff. Like you could have Google fonts embedded. And so you could pick any of 600 fonts that you want. Hey, some interesting ideas. Although, I mean, obviously you need a fallback because if they're not actually online, yeah, I'm load. And trying stuff. to keep the feature set a little bit more down. So you're going to ship this thing soon? Yeah, I'm going to release the thing soon. I'm trying to make it look prettier or closer to what I want the final thing to look like. Because even if it's just alpha, I don't want the alpha to look much different from the final thing. Right. Uh, so at least if it, the final thing is going to be dark themed, I don't want to ship like a regular widget set in the alpha version. But... The feature set is done, and uh, how do you like it? It's good. It doesn't have like the encryption stuff yet, so I can't use it for the client information. Right. But it's good enough for me to use for like I keep my contacts and Woodpad and things like that. So I'm gonna use it for uh, my, as my replacement for my own stuff for a, a bit, and then release right. that out. Oh yeah, I still gotta implement like the update mechanisms and all that, and the feedback mechanisms. So like the meta stuff we talked about last. Last right. time, um, but it was good. It was a good experience writing the desktop app. I don't, I don't actually expect it to sell much, but um, the sign up rate has been really good. <laughs> so maybe it'll, it will wind up being a good selling product. Yeah, why not? Have you thought about the pricing? Yeah, thirty nine bucks. Now is that for all platforms or thirty nine each platform? Thirty nine, you get everything that it's made for. Okay, but it'll be half off for alpha and quarter off for beta. Nice. And of course, you get the full, you know, all the release, all the point releases. Scribbleton, Scribbleton is done. Sponsorships. We got sponsors for the show now because it's time to stop hemorrhaging cash. Well, I like to consider this an experiment. We're experimenting with sponsorships. So I did my first ad sales call where i had to sell an ad <laughs> i know we made you the salesman which i love i love that you're the salesman i channeled my gordon gecko of your wall street your favorite movie yeah and we I, did and I, I sold the ad like a champ we did get, we, we we probably have our first sponsor lined up already it's uh it's amazing yeah so that that for the next couple of shows which it is so nice. i sold a pack I sold a pack of shows. <laughs> That's right. You sold like four shows. And we're going to do two. Well, if we, we'll see. We're going to do a, at least one, but maybe we're gonna two We're going to do at least one sponsor. If you're interested in sponsoring, we'll, we also want to try two. So if you're interested in uh, yeah. sponsoring a couple of episodes, let me know. Yep. And we'll see if we could fit you in. Yeah, we have a sponsor page up on uh, bootstrap.fm to the we sidebar do? there. So you can check it out. I haven't seen that yet. You, you did that today, right? Yeah, I just put it up in our horrible theme, which we have to, we should update the website to look semi-professional. But for now, it's it's functional. The horrible theme, which was my 
personal blog theme for six years. Yeah, things rough. Things <laughs> real rough. <laughs> we gotta update. We gotta update the whole thing. But we, there's no time to update anything. But eventually, eventually we'll get updated. But yeah, the uh, it is expensive to run this thing. You would think it, it gets more expensive as it gets bigger and. The hosting and then the the forums. The forums are like the most expensive thing we do. I gotta well, clarify something. I gotta but. clarify something. When when Ian to the listeners, when Ian Lensman says it is expensive to run this thing, if you knew how much Ian is paying for the hosting for the, you would cry. <laughs> you would cry. It's crazy. Well, that's the only way you can run a Rails app, right? You can't run a Rails app without thousands of dollars in hosting. Like, it's impossible. There's no $5 Linode solution to this or whatever. Like, this is like a multi-thousand dollar endeavor to run anything written on Rails. That's my, that's my uh, verdict on Rails. You know, it's fine, I think. I mean, people like developing it and all, but to actually run a Rails app is a massive undertaking. So we had to outsource that whole thing. Dave, our editor. Yeah, editing. In case you didn't know, podcast editors make mint. Mint. He's he's making a killing (laughs) off us. Oh, Dave actually gave us a really good price. and (sighs) Um, We love Dave. So Dave, Dave turns. Dave is like the fastest turnaround time in the business. It's crazy. The, the delay you, the delay people have in listening to to us is has nothing to do with the editing. I was on a, I was on a couple of pod, I, I was on like half a dozen podcasts this month. I don't know the names of some. Of them. Some of them don't have don't have names yet because <laughs> they're like new shows that the names haven't been published yet. Right. And uh, but the ones that have been, and I'm like on some nth episode, they're publishing uh, on a much longer delay than than Bootstrap is publishing on. Yeah, we're like in a one day, two day turnaround time now. When you do the notes, we are my note. <laughs> my note time is because you're international travel man of yeah. mystery. Hopefully, that's done for a while. The uh, now, what what shows were you on? Like I, you haven't tweeted any shows that you've been on. I haven't no, listened they, to they one show. They don't follow up with me because I don't listen to any. Show. That's not true. I'm listening to, to one right now. But you know, we don't we don't like we do a show. I do a show uh, as a guest on on a podcast, and then and then they don't tell me when the show's out, and they don't let me know. <laughs> it's like that. It's like that time when when I was an actor and uh, I did that. I did that NYU student movie. And I did. I did. I was on on a set the whole fucking day. I was on a set from six in the morning until nine thirty in the, in the, at night. I shot seven seconds of film, and <laughs> and uh, and Victoria was in the car. She was running a fever the whole time. She was in the car running oh. a fever. And all I fucking wanted out of this guy is a copy of the tape because I needed a portfolio piece. So seven fucking seconds of me on camera, and he didn't send it to me, and he was avoiding me because of the twenty dollar tape copy. Oh, it's like that now so have, with the podcast you have, you have this effect on people uh yeah so yeah as soon as i figure out where the where the show links are if they've been published or not i'll them out yeah tweet them out i want to hear what you're what you're like with somebody else i mean i've heard that once or twice but time for a refresher guests all right so you want to talk about the conference a little bit Let's talk about the conference we talked about it last time we didn't know what we were talking about we know a little bit more what we're talking about now we know uh, we know the tiniest bit more now which is that bit. there's some interest people seem to be interested in coming to a conference around us and on like the podcast and kind of just bootstrapping in general obviously we, we think we're just going to call it bootstrapped conference right bootstrapped maybe conference. boots bootstrapped fm conference something like that something. yeah all the names we were thinking of are just too cheesy yeah, the names are too cheesy, so we might just play it straight. Stick. We kind of got the bootstrapped FM brand going here, so maybe we'll leverage our brand. 
What else do we have? We're thinking about some dates, right? Um, yeah. So we were we were we're kind of between two walls here. It can't be too soon because this uh, this thing is essentially like bootstrapping a wedding. It's right. like really <laughs> a lot of stuff goes into it, and like uh, it can't be too late because it, you, you know you're gonna get into like next year. Ter- you can't do anything past like Thanksgiving because that's year end. That's done. Yeah, you might as well wait until like spring if you get past Thanksgiving. So it's it's gonna be between late September and mid November, someplace warm. Someplace warmish, yeah. That's our current thinking. That's our current thing, and it's gonna be tons of lightning talks and tons of opportunity to talk to other de- developers. I want to say developers, bootstrappers, bootstrappers, yeah, not but, just developers, definitely. And also, there was some. I mean, there's definitely um, so there's a forum thread that we sticky to the top of the boards there. Everybody should definitely go participate and get get in there. But uh, there's been some interesting discussion about ideas, like. One just today was about um, tribute this here. But, and um, and it, I should just mention while you're looking that up that the main site is up at conference.strapped.fm. And like the way we know how to prep for this and, and what kind of uh, shape this thing will take is by how many people are on that list because that's like the only feedback we could get. So if you're interested in any way in, um, in the Bootstrap conference, please go sign up at uh, conference.bootstrapped.fm. Yeah, for sure. That's really important because definitely. So you know, I mean, I've run a couple conferences now in the Laravel world, and it's you know, this is a little bit different from those because those kind of sell themselves completely, and we just no matter how big a venue we get, uh, we will fill it. Um, whereas this, you know, is a little bit less sure of a thing. Um, so definitely knowing how many people are are interested in at least getting information will start to give us a ballpark idea of. You know how big a space we might need, and then um, obviously we'll start to reach out to people and get more details as we kind of narrow down locations and dates and everything. But uh, being on that list is really important if if you're interested in learning more about it, so that we can start the plan because it's definitely very chicken and the egg, chicken or the egg kind of issue. Where if you get a huge space, it's gonna we can't fill it. If you get a tiny space, but way more people want to come than. You uh, you've made room for not that we want to do. I mean, I don't think it will be huge. There'll be some upper limit that we just don't want to cross, so that we can have you know all the networking type things. Because if you get too big, then it's too hard to do those kind of things. But uh, but still, there's a huge difference between a space for 50 people and one for 150 people. It's like a whole different tier of spaces. So um, trying to figure all that stuff out. I don't know why that saying is still here, the chicken and the egg thing. It's a chicken or, it's a chicken and. And then there's this place on the Jersey Shore we go to on Long Beach Island that the place is called the chicken and the egg, I think, which is why I always say chicken and the egg. But I think it really is chicken or the egg, the same. Neil deGrasse Tyson answered it definitively in the perfect way possible. Egg came first, laid by a bird that was not a chicken. (laughs) <laughs> because that's the only way DNA works. I don't want to get that philosophical tonight. <laughs> Tired. Um, all right. So, yeah, the conference is up. Conference, Bootstrap, FM. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to call out Scott uh, Joseph. Josephson. Uh, Basically, he had this idea, which I think we could maybe riff on, which was kind of along the lines of, uh, I'm riffing already on the idea, but essentially... To like give you time, so you learn a lot at these conferences, but they usually don't give you time to actually do anything with what you've learned, which I mean makes sense because you kind of want to fill that with valuable information. But at the same time, a lot of times you do walk away and you have like this huge list of stuff to do and it's kind of overwhelming and 
you get into it, but the people who were there aren't there anymore, and you can't really ask them for further information. So I don't know. That's kind of an interesting concept. That it's I'm not sure exactly how we work it in necessarily, but I mean, obviously, there could be some time built in for that kind of thing. Or then I was kind of thinking about more maybe like if you did workshops at the end of the conference when normally they'd be at the front, and we weren't really even thinking about workshops at all. But if you did do workshops. Uh, and you did them on the final day, then that could be kind of an interesting concept out of these workshops where some of the speakers and other kind of established folks um, hang out and that's help sort of, people. That sort of implement. requires having the, talk, the, the speakers stick around, though. Yeah. Well, the way... So, uh, that, and, so aside for one second, which is that I think it's going to be kind of cool to document the process of throwing a conference because I've learned a lot in throwing these. Last I was couple. thinking about that too. We should totally have like a camera crew. For, no, well, well, documenting <laughs> here on the, uh, on this process on the podcast, uh, we will document what we go through, and yeah, we should. We will have to have video. That's a whole separate thing. And then but, we'll sell an ebook on how to bootstrap <laughs> a bootstrapping conference. Don't get started. <laughs> and anyway, so hopefully people find that interesting because I think it's kind of cool. But anyway, uh, now you totally distracted me. You oh, fo- oh, following? Yes. Yeah. If we do workshops, if you do it as actual workshops, then the way that normally works is you would pay ball at that point. Like, so usually there's a stipend and some money for the speakers to come speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but the workshops are usually extra money, and so then if they're kind of leading a workshop, they would get paid um, additional compensation for participating in the workshops. So. That's how that would normally work, but we will see. Interesting. Yeah. I love the mechanics of all this stuff. I I like to see how stuff works. (laughs) I'm in it, but I'm learning how to do it. I'm apprenticing and selling ads and and, uh, raising a conference. I know. Look at that that nice little pitch you just did for the conference. You're selling our listeners on our conference. You're you're in full (laughs) salesman mode right now. Ew. This is awesome. I feel dirty. <laughs> I think it's because you were doing all this consulting and you haven't really had the chance to like flex those muscles in a while. You, ha- you know, you haven't been out there selling so much lately in that regard. Product selling. When I was Mar- a kid, I sold math made easy videos as a really? marketer. Mm-hmm. Well, you weren't a kid. Or a teenager. Right. You ain't good? No. <laughs> maybe we should find somebody else to be our salesman then. Oh, that's a whole Seinfeld bit right there right oh, I can't think of it right now <laughs> I, lo- I love how uh, forget it there's more meta stuff no I just love how the random bits and pieces that people talk about when they talk about our show they all have like Seinfeld references yeah they totally do the um, uh, new uh, comedians in cars getting coffee is coming out soon also if you're those, those have been sort of like uh, stagnating there. What? what it used to it used to be like one every now and then. They used to like have trouble keeping up with them, but now it's like Howard Stern's been up there for a while now. Well, you know they did it, they did it different. The first season I think was twelve episodes or something. Right. So you know it was three months long, but now they only did six the last time. Now they're doing six. They broke it up into multiple seasons, kind of thing. They're doing so. that thing that that. Cable and HBO do with like really popular television yeah. series, like one episode every four years, and you're but, lucky if you get that. <laughs> but but no, it's not that bad because it's only been maybe three months since the last round of it, so it's not it's not like Mad Men where you have to wait a year to find out what happens or whatever. The yeah. Jay Leno one is really good, and Comedians and Cars. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Um, They're all good. It's Seinfeld. You can't go wrong. That's true. They're I, all I, I good. Could, I could just watch him. If you had a video camera just following him, I would just watch him. Like I would oh. really stalk him. Yeah, I would love this talk, Seinfeld. 
Uh, All right, what blah, else is going blah, 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 on? WWDC. Let's, can I talk some mobile? Come on. You, now, I was making fun of you. Because... You were making fun of me that, I, that you knew that you wanted to talk about this, and I right. was the type that I wouldn't even bother watching it. And, of course, you were right. But <laughs> to, but to no. prove you wrong, five minutes after that, I went and watched it. Oh, yes. Just to prove you wrong. That's awesome. Uh, WWDC, basically a guy on stage giving you homework. see hold on first of all if we ever want to go go into making this like a podcast network right oh good lord why are you four years ahead of me (laughs) then i want to do an apple show and you in theory should be the perfect guy to do an apple show with me but you're not you're the worst guy to do an apple show with me and that makes no sense you spend all day building shit for apple products why can't you build you're, you're doing apple desktop products you're doing apple mobile products you don't want to talk about apple you know um <clears throat> you know some developers went we and then overloaded the apple servers trying to download the new sdk so right. they could play with it and then other developers sighed and then they went off to try to find room in their already full calendar for when they could get a chance to read about this yet one more thing they have to learn right. uh, <clears throat> we have to like learn and like we have to know more stuff now than like ever before in the history of our profession because we're not in silos anymore. Like yeah. when I was growing up, we had to know we had to, I had to know C threading, operating systems, currency, and networking, and maybe cryptography and databases, and that's it. And I was like on the tail end of the assembler stuff, and uh, so I had to learn a bit of that. And professional developers and like gray cubicles they coded in COBOL. that was like my time but we were all siloed and because you knew what you had to know you know COBOL or like windows com objects or whatever and you became like the expert big fish in that over time <clears throat> now you need to know threading operating systems concurrency networking database across an entire stack of technologies some of which are only like coincidentally in the same stack by convenience not by merit <clears throat> javascript, <laughs> JavaScript. And an, an entire stack of technologies, and that's only if you're lucky to be working like in one stack. And that's because we can't be in silos anymore because like our clients come to us with like code written by someone who used some technology that you don't know or care to know. <laughs> or just because you're like in a situation with like where you're working with other people and other people can use all sorts of tech because all sorts of tech now does exactly the same thing. You could now solve the same problem using innumerable combinations like various languages, frameworks, and libraries. Right. Right? It's true. So there's like these developers in the late 30s and 40s and 50s who have like some apps in Objective-C and Coco without Arc and maybe even some apps like in Carbon and maybe some apps, Objective-C apps in Coco with Arc and some that depend on libraries, half of which use Arc and half do not. And maybe there's some phone, phone gap JavaScript thing in there or a Flash thing in there that they inherited somewhere along the way and they just have to maintain. Right. So yeah, so those are developers who like sigh at the Apple announcement <laughs> Swift because they had to go and find room on their calendar to find you know, time to read up on this new stuff because they know like six months from now, their boss or a client is going to show up with a pile load of, of uh, Swift code that some kid started and didn't finish. <laughs> and now as a professional developer, they, they better well damn know how to add whatever feature that client needs added to that. So I am not bitter at Apple because when the iPhone came out, our revenue fell from 30 grand a month to nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's because like I hate seeing developers swoon. It's like we're supposed to be analytical and even maybe skeptical when it comes to new stuff. We're supposed to be the level-headed sensibility, not fanboys. But maybe that's just like another one of those things that's related to age. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, but then also maybe it's like kind of the opposite side of what you were saying in that you have all this stuff to learn and do. So on the one hand, they're giving you something new to learn, but on the other hand, in theory, they are making you more efficient. Yeah. So it's the efficiency that the modern programmer reaches out for, right? They're like, how can I be more efficient? I guess it depends on what you're doing. I mean, the Swift stuff is sort of, it, it remains to be seen how it plays in practice. There's there's lots of this immediate feedback integration in the editor, like the really cool, like when you move in a value of a variable dynamically, it reflects in the output and you see that right away. That's sort of like right, the Laracon thing that John Rezik showed us with what they do in Khan Academy now. Right. With JavaScript. It's like real time adjusting yeah. of a running program. So that's really cool. But that's not a language thing. And that's that's like an Apple editor thing. Yeah, and it was a call. It had a name. I don't remember what it was. Maybe those are like inseparable because it's really like the .NET version for an Apple .NET language runtime thing for an Apple, where that was right. for Microsoft. It's really like a platform and language are like Time. one and the same at this point, right? There's other languages like where the editors can do the same thing. Like there's a there's this OpenGL editor for the sh- shader editing where you code and it reflects in the background immediately what you just coded without compiling it, type of a thing. Um, so I don't know, you know how tightly integrated the Swift thing is with Apple and can anybody implement a standard? Is there a standard to this thing? It just seems like it's really like a cool piece of tech that's like even more integrated into one platform where I really want like better cross-platform stuff, cross-platform tools rather than one more thing that like, you know, gets me into the Apple territory. But it, it's odd that, you know, everything Apple is doing is sort of like making sure you stay in the Apple of course. ecosystem, right? Apple's but, then, whole thing. but then, like Swift, doesn't make sense because nobody fucking wants to use Objective C anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they have they shouldn't fear people using Objective C outside of Apple territory because that thing is atrocious. Uh, so yeah, so I don't know. Uh, but so far, everything they've been uh, releasing is just to get people to stay in the Apple stuff. So I guess Swift is the same thing. But you know, Microsoft did the same thing with that net. So whatever. But yeah, I don't. You know, I I didn't. I didn't like Sprite Kit when you know I, I when I was doing when I was exploring engines for uh, the iPad toddler app that we're building. Um, so what do you, know, you use? Well, I uh, we talked about this before. I just went raw raw uh, views. Yeah, oh, okay. UI Kit. Right. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's hard. They're making it very easy or easier, but at the same time, that 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 noose it's becoming tighter, right, on the platform. So I don't know what to say about it. It's 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 hard not to take advantage of that stuff to make it so easy, but at the same time, you sort of it's almost better if you just say, you know, I'm I'm gonna stick with Apple or I'm gonna stick with Android and just learn one ecosystem. But as a as a developer, I guess you could do it. But as a developer owner of a company, you can't. Well, the, I wonder if it's like. Or maybe I you mean, can. There's entire there's yeah, entire companies out there who are just like Apple companies. I like mean, in I'm, some ways, should, I could see it making sense to build something. We're just going to focus entirely Apple first, and that's where the vast majority of people actually spend money. And then, you know, if something gets big enough where it's like, oh, we're really selling a lot of this, well, then we'll port it to Android, and we'll see if people over there want to buy it, rather yeah. than worrying about if it that's what, is portable. That's what I wind up doing. Also, I just port everything native over. Um, well, I, I, I should, I should clarify that in saying that what we really need is better cross-platform tools. And yet, every cross-platform tool I imagine existing, 
I would not use. Right, yeah, I was, was going to say, because I didn't think you used, like, you, your stuff's I, not I very cross-platform, right, right? I don't, QT was the only one that, well, I, right. I did a little bit of Adobe Air stuff, too. Um, but yeah, re- regretted it every time. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a big cross-platform. But it, that's almost like the reason why we need stronger cross-platform tools, because everything just really is terrible. But I'm not sure whether it's terrible because it has to be terrible by by some mathematical proof of truth that because it's it is what it is, it has to be lacking, or because there's just not enough attention paid to this stuff. But. Well, it just seems like it's going to get farther from that. Like, I mean, you would think Objective-C could have been, I mean, it's a C essentially based thing that in theory it would be possible to build something to convert it reasonably well over to Java or whatever weirdo language you want to use. But like now you have something that's totally custom from Apple that's got all modern weird yeah, stuff well, like theory, closures. And, in theory, it's based on the same compiler, so I guess you could build it on other platforms. But. I guess Nobody true that because it that compiles thing. down right to kind of the same stuff. Yeah, I don't know anything about uh, but, that stuff. But again, it's not like way I haven't, over my I haven't head. gone into the language spec too deeply. I just read the first couple of chapters, like the only book in existence for the next right. two months. But uh, it's not the language; it's like it's the the, the editor around it that's peop- that people are you know ooing and eyeing over. Yeah, well, that does seem really useful if you're like building a game to have it to be able to see it running live and. Make right, the, the value of a variable over time graph, That's the, all that stuff is really cool. But again, not the language, or at least right. I don't think it's, unless it's so deeply ingrained where you can't use it outside of Xcode. It's not the language that's giving you those pretty graphs of value changing over time. All right. So, I, mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about it. I know, like, I, I'm like 18 hours after the announcement, <laughs> like everybody else. So, I'm talking out of my ass just like everybody else. All right, what about the other stuff? This is all personal stuff now, but I like the the Dropbox clone. I think that could be pretty cool. I'm kind of tired of paying Dropbox. There's there's stuff like I don't trust they, them to run it well. That's true. They but. poke they poke at other things. They did that thing that pokes a little bit at Parse and Urban Airship and where they CloudKit thing where they, oh, they yeah. let you do a backend. And then and then my favorite part of that is like the bandwidth limits. It's like certa bytes of right. bandwidth. <laughs> like why even bother? Putting up numbers at that facts. level. <laughs> well, you know what I thought was interesting about that? See, that to me is even worse, really, than the language. And I could see, I think they only spent like what they spent 10 seconds on it because at the end of the day, that is an incredible level of lock in. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you use their new scripting language, but you still run your own back end, then the worst case scenario is you get a bunch of people in a room and they build you the Android version and you just make it happen. But I mean, if your whole authentication and all the data is in this Apple, you know, hosted cloud thing, I mean, that's a bad spot. You're not going to that. That's a massive undertaking then to move that or who well, the heck from knows. from the perspective of us, right? From yeah. people running a company. There's people running. There's people running websites on Google's App Engine for years, and right, they're exactly. locked in essentially the same way. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, in, uh, for us, it's actually a really good thing in the sense of. Bootstrappers in general, if I was going to go into mobile development, I would build an iOS-only app that used all their back-end stuff, (laughs) and I would do nothing but worry about the app logic, and that's it. And I wouldn't be worried. I would want to do nothing else because the mobile space is weird enough as it is, and you have to market this thing somehow, even though it's impossible, and all this other stuff you have to do. If I can just outsource all that to Apple and not ever think about it once, if I'm just me, one guy building the app... I would totally do that. But then as an even slightly bigger business, yeah, you're going to be thinking about, well, if we want to sell it on Android ever, 
then having all of our users authenticated and only existing in iCloud could be a problem. So, right, right. But then again, on the other hand, I imagine you're more likely to be featured by Apple and all the perks that come with they can bestow on you because you are playing by their rules. Which, I hate that. That, that entire is, sentence right there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just That's hate true. everything about that on every That's level. True. It's not good. Um, dependencies are evil. I think the only thing that remained true since I started the company till now, at every up and down of the company, the only thing that remains true is that dependencies are evil. Um, the services to other app stuff that's like similar to Android Intense, where you could like expose part of your app for yeah, use in other apps. That'll be useful. What do you think about that stuff? I don't think I'll use most of this, but I could see some of it being useful where they've hooked it more tightly to the Mac so that like <clears throat> you can move stuff to the iPad screen or yeah. stuff from the iPad back to the Mac. That seems useful. There are some times where I think that you always wind up wasting a lot of time. Like I want to get this photo on my phone or away yeah. from my phone, and you just spend like time figuring out how to drag that thing from one place to another. Well, you always just end up emailing it to yourself, but then yeah. you email <laughs> and you got to download it and you got to put it in the right spot. I've kind of gotten a little bit away from that since I've hooked Dropbox up. Dropbox automatically syncs my photos, kind mm-hmm. of, although it doesn't seem to always do it, and I have to relaunch it sometimes, and it's a little bit flaky, but it kind of mostly works. But uh, but again, I imagine that if their Dropbox situation is getting more Dropbox like, be that could be nice. Yeah, there's there's actually like like I I uh, I kind of shit on Apple through, throughout the podcast, but like I use their iPhone and I use a Mac and whatever. So as a consumer, I had every kind of cell phone imaginable, like literally from the feature phones in you know back in the early days through all the every single BlackBerry that was ever made. Right. Uh, through a bunch of Androids, and I hate all of them. And like the the 5s, the iPhone 5s, like the first iPhone I ever had, and the first iPhone, the first phone I like. Not true. I like the old Nokia that I had in like 1998 or something. Oh, those old ones are the best by far. The big Qualcomm Sarge phone, we call it the Sarge <laughs> phone. It was huge. It was I awesome. love those phones. And uh, but after that, in the modern territory, I, I I like the iPhone, and all of it is because of the keyboard. Like the uh, the Blackberries at the end turned out to be unusable because of the browser. Like you needed a modern browser that wasn't keeping right. up to speed. But the keyboards were awesome. But since you can't use a physical keyboard now, the Androids were terrible on a keyboard. I mean, I tried. I went through every third-party keyboard imaginable. It was just awful. And the iPhone is sort of like the only one that gets it right. And you can't like put your finger on why that is. The buttons seem to be the same, spacing apart, and like. Yeah. Same size keyboard. It was just something about it. Like I couldn't type my – I always practice with just typing my email address. That's like the only thing you type all the time and you should be able to do it like without any mistakes. And I could never do it on an Android even after years of owning it. And on an iPhone, I just do it and it doesn't make any mistakes. Well, that's like all that stuff on the iPhone, <clears throat> which is amazing how much of this stuff they've got right early and how little people have been able to accurately copy them. But mm-hmm. just – the scrolling feel, right. all those little things that at this point, I mean, all these other phones have sufficient power to be able to scroll properly, but yet they're all like, anytime I use somebody else's phone, like that's a, not an iPhone, it's, it's all wacky. The scrolling doesn't work right. The slide, side sliding is weird. Like, I don't, it's, you'd think yeah, it would be easily copied, tough. but it's some, there's some magic in there, some like minor, craftsmanship in there that just makes it that little bit better. And it's not like I'm not an Apple fanboy, as you could probably tell right. from the beginning of the show. I am. But, but I'm, I'm, this is true because I had the Androids before I ever had an iPhone. So like, I had a bad experience with the Android. Just usability as a consumer. 
I had a rotten experience with all of them. So it's not like I experienced the iPhone and I had to like sort of not have the, that goodness on an Android. I had the Androids first. Right. And then um, I find the iPhone. As a consumer, the the products are great. I want I, I want the big iPhone. I, uh, Apple is not sponsoring the show. <laughs> I did yeah, not. I did not sell a pack of ads. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. I've actually never heard an Apple ad anywhere other than on television, and even those are fairly rare. I mean, they do some during the Super Bowl or here and there, but I did like the the little video before the WWDC keynote. That they they know how to make their developers feel good about themselves. I actually, I think I missed that. It's up on the web page. All right, I'll check it out. The you app really... preview videos are nice. They added, they're going to add that. The what was this? You could stick videos of your apps inside the App Store. Oh, there you go. Some enhancement, some love for the App Store. I That's missed good. I, I did do a phone call at like one point in the middle of this thing, so I missed 40 minutes of it in the middle. Not even for the videos, but maybe for the opportunity for the developer to kind of explain themselves a little bit as a sales pitch. That would be really right. good. I don't know if they're going to let sort of that level of intimacy, though. Um, the app bundles are nice. They're gonna do so. You could bundle your all your apps into one sort of discounted package. Wow, really? I missed all this. Yeah, that's pretty decent. And then they integrated TestFlight, which I guess they bought TestFlight or something. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. I think they've owned that for a while. And they're gonna integrate that. Oh, and I saw a thousand beta users or something now yeah. too. Right. Right through the App Store, maybe something like that. I don't know, but I'm guessing they just streamlined the head all of that thing. Yeah. Um, so that, those things are decent. I think there was a lot of good stuff in there. Surprisingly. I'm not saying anything bad about Apple. The only bad takeaways is that more shit to learn, which is fine. You got to learn stuff right. anyway. Uh, so- but the biggest thing is that I just hate when they do the pan shots of the audience and they're like, it's like fucking Justin Bieber's on stage or something. And right. girls. <laughs> but this is, well, yeah, the audience pans are ridiculous. But uh, this also ties into several things I've been thinking about lately where, so I watched, uh, it's not all things D anymore, but code comp or something where the guy from Apple was on stage with Jimmy Iovine, who's the Beats by Dre guy. Okay. Um, I don't know if you've you watched that video. I saw like the the shots, the photo shots of the various yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they did this whole interview. So the one thing is, it's just always obviously I'm always envious of anybody who builds a physical product. So to build a physical product, I just love that. Versus you know having to learn all this stuff all the time, and the code we're writing today is outdated in a week, and it's totally outdated in two years, and the software is outdated, and you know everything just moves so fast, and things get outdated in our world. But that's the game, and so that's fine. But this interview. This interview touched me. I loved <laughs> this interview. I loved everything about this interview, I, especially the first half hour. The back half, eh. But if you have half an hour, I gotta watch, watch it now. Watch this video. It is so good because I just loved so much about it. Because so from the business perspective, he's talking about you know Beats by Dre and the headphones and like taking something like that that's so commodity. Everybody's got headphones. Everybody hates their headphones or just just like whatever their headphones. I need headphones. I have headphones. Whatever. And to say, no, like we care about random little thing, which is basically just the acoustical curve of it. So we're going to make it, we're going to make it Super sound bass. a certain way and we're going to make it look a certain way. And that's, that's our whole deal. And we're going to make those two things into a $200 product that before was 50 bucks. Right. That's awesome. And yeah, and, and that's another side thing that annoys me is that people are like, oh, the Beats by Dre, they don't sound that great, whatever. But you're totally missing. The whole point is that if you're listening to hip hop music or dance music, 
your experience with that is in a club and in a club you feel the music actually in your body so the right. bass is the key thing that it's not accurate is totally irrelevant like trying to reproduce that the feeling that the music gives you which is the great angle like i just love that they had this angle on it of the emotional response to the music instead of just oh like engineering thinking all about the engineering and being accurate or or anything like that they're like no screw accuracy we're going to make it about this the emotion. feeling. Yeah, they have that on the website too, right? The Beats, Apple Beats thing now. The, the website oh, ad copy is sort of like all about the emotion of the music. Really? I, Which I, is I, right. That's, that's, that's the people that would spend premium on a pair of headphones. That's where you hit them at the emotional level of the music. Not about like – you got to go way above them to go into like all oh, this sound quality of this studio set of headphones right. that's $22,000. Right. Those, that's a different audience entirely. Yeah. And then also you, you've combined it with teenage cool, right? So it's and it's just which is amazing enough. that Dr. Dre oh, would awesome. be selling teenage cool. <laughs> I know he's not. That's the other thing. I hope I'm it's, alive at that age. <laughs> it's not like Dre is like, oh, he's hot right now, and it's like, yeah, we got the guy who's hot right now doing it. No, this guy was hot 20 years ago. Oh, he was hot. Dr. Dre. I, I mean, he's probably in his mid 40s or something like that, right? He's not that much older than us, but. He's 49? Wow, he's older than I thought. So this guy was hot 25 years ago. He was hot. Crazy. Isn't that amazing? Married to the same woman since 1996. You look up really? all of these, you look up all of these rappers nice. who have this total like thug gangster right. thing going in their music. And then you look up their uh, marriage history and whatever. Right. It's like same woman since 1973. He's happily married. <laughs> Done. I don't know. So then I got into the Beats, the Beats Music, which this app is spectacular. It's spectacular. I haven't I'm tried ditching it. Spotify this second. I just, I just right. tried Spotify yesterday. Like yes, the first really? time. Really? I've been a Pandora user oh, since. Pandora is the worst. Listen to me. The worst. Listen to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I, I agree with you. Listen to me. Oh, I was using Pandora since like um, Yahoo had something. When I started working, I needed headphones to work in an office. Yahoo had some sort of shoutcast. Or, no, that wasn't Yahoo. Some sort of Yahoo offering for something like that, right? Yeah. So that was the first one. Then I moved to Pandora. And very early. So I, I've been paying for Pandora for many, 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 many years. And then and then Spotify is like double the price, right? So I never switched to Spotify. First it wasn't available. It was only in the UK or whatever. And then they came here and it was like double the price. So I didn't pay for it or whatever. But then yesterday I tried Spotify because Pandora started kicking me out of my 90s station because I needed to listen to my 90s. <laughs> and they're like, no more songs in the 90s ever that were made that you haven't listened to yet. So I'm like, whatever, I need my 90s. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I went on Spotify, and, and Spotify is apparently like double the quality of the best quality of Pandora. And I have, I, and I was like, it was like, it's like I never heard music before. Yes. This is, I had that experience with Beats actually. I got to try Beats now. Because it's like I had to sit down and stop working. It's like I was in the studio. It's like incredibly good. Well, that's interesting because I never, I never even noticed that setting in Spotify. I, I don't even know if you're at the high. You're, it's probably double and you're still on the base setting unless you went and changed it. I don't know if you went and changed it. I just installed it and ran it and didn't touch yeah. it. Yeah. So it might, I don't know, maybe they changed it now. But since I've been using it, um, it's at the, I don't know, it's like 128 kbps or something like that whatever it is uh but which sounds fine but the beats guys they're so smart you install the app it defaults to the 320 (laughs) 
So it's like crystal. It's perfect. If you have good headphones, it's literally like being there. So and presumably if you if you have Beats headphones, it's like being there. But uh, it's um, so just that. Beats also does not sponsor this show. (laughs) When Spotify (laughs) does have the 320, I I found after listening to Beats, I was like, I can't believe Spotify doesn't have this. And I went and looked, and they do have it, but you have to turn it on. But no, make it the first run experience. Oh, it's awesome. So just that right there instantly, awesome. And then the way they do genres and the way things are curated, and that ties into this. So in the interview, he's talking about how they curate it. And he's talking about how you know music sucks now basically because Spotify is just a stupid algorithm and Pandora by extension, all these guys. And so it's not – yeah, so here's the thing that people listen to in groups. There's no – you're missing the, the curation, that step of a human being saying, boy, it'd be great if these songs led into these songs, led into those songs rather than just – yeah, everybody who likes 90s hip-hop gets Biggie and then Pac and then Biggie and then Pac. Like, algorithmically, you could do that. And here were the number one hits of the years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, like, they have curated lists. Like, one of them was Class of 97, I think it is. So it's people who were graduating high school, essentially, in 97 or college in 97. And there is stuff on there. It's totally amazing because it's it's stuff you listen to and that you loved, but it wasn't things that would ever appear in a Spotify list. It wasn't anything that would ever be um, featured because it's it would they weren't songs that were number one or even number of top forty, right? They were just random things that if you were alive then and they when they put it on, you're like, oh, that's the best. But if, you know what I mean, where if it's just somebody going through a top chart thing and algorithmically giving you things that were popular that year, probably you would never get those songs. But they gave them to you. And they mixed in some of the more well-known stuff. Oh, it's awesome. It's great. I discovered, I never discover any music on any of these services. Spotify, I just listen to the stuff I know religiously. Mm-hmm. I'd never explore. I found like 20 new songs I like in two days. I must have used this app. In the past three days, I probably... Literally use this app for like sixteen hours. It's I need crazy. to try it because that's like the one the number one thing I didn't I didn't like about Spotify is because I need there's very few times where I just listen to my stuff. Like I need that that radio to feed me stuff. Right, it's a little bit new, mostly my stuff, but a little bit new once in a while. That's yeah, like yeah. the algorithm I want. I hated their radio stuff, but Beats Radio stuff's really good because you make a sentence. It's like I'm in the car, and you could select where you are, and I feel like doing this, and who I'm with, and couple of factors like that, and then it spits right. out pretty good um, mix if you just want that. I, I've been using that, which I don't usually use the radio type thing, but um, I have been using that, and it's pretty good also. I got to try it now. I got to see what this 320 yeah. thing feels like. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's spectacular. Uh, the difference in my car, so I have the car hooked up with Bluetooth. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Like, the car sounds 10 times better. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And, <clears throat> and actually, for those of you on AT&T, uh, they have a family. Thing also, too, not a sponsor so of this show. Five, five family members or something. If you sign up through AT and T, because right now me and Jamie have separate Spotify accounts. So, because she has like kid friendly stuff, and my stuff is highly not kid friendly currently. <laughs> so, we should actually set up. A, now that I have five free accounts, I guess I can. Or not free, but five for the price of one and a half. I can, but kid one. Cool. All right. What else? What else else you got for me? I got nothing. Let me look at the list here quick. We've been way off list today. Let's see if there's anything interesting. Oh, oh, you want to, you want a stripe story? Sure. I want to get, I want to get, I want to get a celebrity for the conference. Celebrity? Let's get Will Wheaton. How much will he cost? Maybe he'd do it for free. 
Yeah, sure. Because I'm gorgeous and you have a great personality. <laughs> you are gorgeous, actually. Will Keaton, uh, I don't know. It's almost like like there's nobody who here's what you gotta do. fits in, but also is a celebrity. Here's what you got to do. The, the book, Brooklyn Beta guys pulled this off the year, two years ago when I was there. They got Cory Booker, who's you know fairly famous, right? A senator now, I guess, or whatever. Uh, you got to find somebody who's around. You can't, be, you can't fly somebody in. Nobody's flying in to come to Bootstrap.com. John Rezik was sort of like a celebrity. Yeah, but he lives in New York. He was right there. It was there. amazing. It was amazing. He was standing outside with us. Resnick's You're waiting guy. for Uber, and he's like standing by, and like, and like, I'm talking, I'm talking to a developer, and I'm telling developer, it's, like, it's incredible that he's not like being swamped <laughs> with crowds of people. He's just standing, and nobody knows who he is. It's like just scared. half your shit is running from his code. I, I, I was worried people were going to just like come up and poke him in the face. You know, be like, <laughs> is he real? Is it the real Resig? People so were I overall want, respectful to him. How much would it be to get um, uh, Tim Schafer on? <laughs> so, so, everybody, sorry we had to uh, charge you $1,800 a ticket. <laughs> because we had Tim Schafer and he charged yeah, us $500,000. Exactly. We got to get Waz for. we. Yo, uh, Taylor emailed Waz, and Waz is like 30 grand, which is not totally unbelievable amount of money but i think there was some like weird requests and st- like you know you have to fly him in and put him up in a i told you this before was certain was, place. you don't you don't invite was on stage to give it to give some canned talk when you when you get was into your conference you want him to show up on his segue <laughs> and right around the conference just be there just be there talking yeah. to people that's what you want from yeah Waz. that would be cool all right so ticket prices twenty five hundred dollars each Bootstrap.com. Uh, I want a celebrity. I'm just saying. All right. Well, let's, we have to get – can't do anything with a conference. Nothing can move until you get dates and location. The re, there's nothing else. You can't even get speakers. You can't get anybody until you have dates and location. So we have to work uh, out. All right. Give me a Stripe story. <laughs> I can't. It's going to make me angry. And it's unfortunate because I like Stripe. You don't want to see Lensman angry. Yeah, exactly. I can't. I'm just so well, – I've talked about this before on here, how they cost us all kinds of money. But – I think we have it fixed now. I think uh, since I have talked to on here before, I will only talk about it in to give it some resolution, which is that they transitioned APIs, and when they did so, then weird happened with our account, and so we were acting as some old API version, even though we're in the new API version, and. Mm-hmm. Every time we updated anybody's anything on their account, they would be reset to a trial. So that unfortunately means we wouldn't money from them for 30 days. And some <laughs> like bigger accounts like add people and remove people a lot. So they were on trials a lot. So you would have people who like would go six months who are supposed to be paying us $120 a month and paid us 80 bucks over those six months. You know, it's weird. Every time you say something about Stripe like that on Twitter, somebody shows up and tells you, you know, I've been using Stripe and it's perfectly fine for me, which sort of leads me to believe that you guys are like totally out of sync with the way Stripe is doing things. But that's also weird because you're not doing anything weird at all. I know. And Taylor's written a damn PHP library for using Stripe with PHP. So like we know the API, but I, I think that's why it is like this, is that our account was literally in some weird state. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not that it's like not that we're dumb and we couldn't read the API docs or that somehow we missed something nobody else has done. It's that we are doing things properly, but proper outcomes were not resulting. Although I do think they do things there's still some weird stuff they do with prorating things and there's some sensitive parts of the API where I don't know, like 
just things that you wouldn't think should happen do happen. And if I was going to do this all again, I would totally use Chargeify or something like that in front of it, I think, because it's just a lot of hassle. But now that we already built it, it's like, well, do you rip everything out and install Chargeify? Like, you know, it's like it's hard to make that call. So we just keep trying to fix weird errors. Most people who are not doing web stuff are doing like desktop app stuff, especially those who've been around for a while. And especially those who don't use merchant accounts, but they, you know, used to use th- one of those reseller middleman type of deal things right. like they used to have. Um, they just hooked up a bunch of those and, uh, they eventually built some sort of an infrastructure that they could switch at will between them. I guess it's harder to do with a web app. And with the subscriptions, that's what makes it impossible, you know? Yeah. Cause you're, you're, even if you're not locked in, you're still locked in. Yeah. You can't move everybody. They're not going to give you the credit card dump. And so you can't really move people. I mean, I guess you could leave people uh, on one, and well, you know how that is because you're in the process of yeah, getting rid of authorize. <clears throat> which what? So we finally canceled our authorize. Oh, congratulations, Champagne! Yeah, so we can stop paying them eighty bucks a month for nothing because we weren't running any transactions <laughs> through there. The best part will be like when you when you change the IP on your server, so they could never get into that monthly extortion check of theirs. Yeah, I don't know. They're they're probably still be doing that weird check thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they'll probably be charging us twenty five bucks for not PCI compliance, even though we're not on a even server that's not up. <laughs> Yeah, on a server that's not up, that we're not there anymore. The whole thing, but. <clears throat> who the heck knows but I don't know so that's more of a frustration it's a bug and so I understand and I try in some ways uh, I don't know I don't know but it's like you go into it I think part of the problem is that there's so much buildup. I'm coming from such a horrific awful place in our credit card process right Stripe's it, supposed to be your savior here right so, I mean it was horrific and awful but I have to say it never actually lost us any money I mean they overcharge us for things and fees and weird stuff so in some ways they did money from us but they didn't actually lose any money for us and then yeah then we're coming to the savior and I've like spent all this time trying to get over here and you get over here and you find out they got the same weird stuff that goes on that everybody else everywhere else has. And you're like, uh, it's just a normal thing. Whatever. Stripe is also not a sponsor of the show and probably never will. <laughs> well, no, probably hurting, hurting our sponsorship chances there. Um, all right, what else is going on? I got nothing. Well, you always say you have nothing. You I, have I gave you a rant. <clears throat> That was a weak, weak a rant. Weak rant. Weak. That wasn't even a rant. That was a rant that you ended with. I really like Apple. You should have an iPhone. You should have a Mac. This That's is a, this is the late night rant. It's ten thirty. Tired. The late night rant. All right, guys, go sign up for conference Go talk to us over at discuss uh, What else do we have tagged onto that domain? Yeah, I don't know. Probably more stuff soon. All right. Uh, we're up uh, on Twitter. Uh, Andre underscore Butov and Ian Lensman with no underscores or punctuation of any kind. That's right. Oh, and thanks, everybody. We just looked the other day, and we have a whole bunch of new five-star iTunes reviews. So thank you very much for reading. Awesome. Yep. Talk to you next week. All right. We're out. Bye-byes. Bye. <laughs>